Welcome to Coffee Table Mythos. I'm Leah. And I'm Eliza. This week we are delving into Norse mythology. So grab your favorite beverage and let's talk myths. What are you drinking? I am drinking the new seasonal batch of Colombe Coffee Draft Latte <laughs> Peppermint Mocha Foamy Nitrous Infused Milk with Cold Brew. And I had to order one this time because when I ordered a four pack of the pumpkin spice, I was underwhelmed is the word so it took me a while to get all through <laughs> through all four of them one of them was haunting our fridge just like yeah every time we opened it are you gonna drink me today no <laughs> no i'll save you for another time and then i did drink it when i needed it but this time i was like i'm just gonna order one and see how this tastes and that's it caramel's still the best one caramel will always be the supreme. best one <laughs> if they ever come up with like a creme brulee i'm gonna be like hmm hmm still try it <laughs> yeah do you like peppermint just try it it's more like a dark chocolate bitter yeah it's different it's not what you'd expect from a peppermint mocha no i like it more than the pumpkin but the caramel's still better than this and what are you drinking today i am drinking a loca mocha java monster Oh, damn. How's that? I haven't had one of those. It's good. Here, try it. Okay. I've had the Irish one, and I love the Irish one, but I haven't had it in years. I don't think I've ever had the Irish one, but I think I've had the other couple coffee ones. You know, Java Monster might be the only monster I'd be okay with drinking now, because I don't get that weird aftertaste. So, a while ago, by a while ago, I mean like five or six years ago, we would get a huge amount of the white monster cans and we drank so much of it that it started having this weird like aftertaste of cement for me that seems to be anything that you drink too much of starts tasting like cement I don't so it's know not why. just monster no. it's just like your reaction yeah like when i was younger i would drink slim fast mm -hmm. and eventually it started tasting like cement so i'd try drinking another flavor and that would work for like two times and then it starts tasting like cement to me and i'd be like this is disgusting why am i doing this so I don't drink Monster very often at all anymore. I drink, like, maybe Rain or Bang, but that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's a good thing that there are so many types of energy drinks in the world. Oh, yeah. Because I like my caffeine. Oh, damn. This one's, like, 170 milligrams. Two and one quarter cup of coffee version in one of these cans. Mm -hmm. The Peppermint Mocha Colombe is kind of like a more bitter chocolate taste mm -hmm. of a peppermint patty but it yeah. basically tastes like a peppermint patty just with more bitter in the chocolate instead of it being as sweet as the candies are it's definitely like christmasy feeling mm -hmm. i like that even though it's not christmas yet i know how you feel about I, christmas i am i have a thing against christmas i have a problem with the people who start christmas the day after halloween like there's still a whole month to go and they pipe music into the stores, like every store you go into until after Christmas. And I just can't take it. So I'm allowing her her Christmas flavored coffees, but the music is not going on until the week before Christmas. Well, here's a here's slash a, Yule. Here's a side note. I still like Christmas music, but yeah, it does get really old. And it's the same songs, like <laughs> Over the there. only Christmas music I am, like, willing to listen to before that week before Christmas is stuff in other languages. Like, you have some Spanish songs. I'll listen to it. I went through... Navidad. Bum, 
bum, bum, bum. Feliz Navidad. I took five years of Spanish, and one of the things our teacher had us do was Spanish Christmas carols, and we had to walk around the high school and go into different people's classrooms and sing like three or four songs that I still remember the words to. So it's like, those I'm okay with, because you don't overhear. You overhear Feliz Navidad a little bit, but the other ones, not so much. I don't get sick of that stuff, so that's just me. They know how to do the fucking lights, though. <laughs> Tell you what, Hawaiians and the Hispanic population in Southern California, hot damn. Their lights were top notch. Good shit. Good oh, shit. Very good. My goodness. So going to see the lights in like, other people's houses was never a family tradition for me. <laughs> but when Eliza moved back to the East Coast, that's one of the things that she really wanted to do. So my dad and I... Plopped her in the car, and we started driving around to these particular places. Because you people, like, post about them. You can find them online. I thought we were in the truck when we did that. Okay, technically it was the truck. I was just saying a vehicle. Okay. But it just, it was a different experience in a truck. Okay, it was a blue Ford F-150 <laughs> truck. So we're all clear. We plopped her in the truck. <laughs> and we go to the one place, and... These people, like, they're, they're extra. They have, like, choreographed lights. It was a lot. And we were okay at the one house, and then the version of Bohemian Rhapsody they used was just awful. Everybody in the car was like, no. No, we we can't do it. Yeah, it was awful to Freddie Mercury's memory, and we couldn't take it. So we turned around and went to a different place. And somehow we ended up at a church, and then we're like, why are we here? And then we like, <laughs> we're like, we're good. We can we can go home now. You know what I'd rather do? <laughs> Which is, like, way better. In San Diego, they used to do something called the Del Mar Lights, where they would take the Del Mar racetrack, and they would turn it into a giant drive-through light show. And hot damn, it was amazing every time I'd go. And you'd turn the radio on, and it'd play, and that was that. There's actually supposedly some in Pennsylvania, hmm. and I would not be opposed to trying one of those out at some point just in the car. Anyway, so... Let's go back to Norse. It's Norse week. <laughs> yeah. And I'm up first. Yeah. I researched Jormungandr, which is spelled J-O-R-M-U-N-G-A-N-D-R. and he is also known as the Midgard Serpent. Jormungandr is a serpent so big that it encircles the entire world and bites its own tail. This is an example of an Ouroboros. Hello, fellow anime fans that have watched Full Metal Alchemist. That's my shit! That's the Ouroboros. Though the Ouroboros originated in Egypt, it later entered the rest of the Western world via Greek traditions. Jormungandr is described as a sea serpent that has poisonous venom. He is the middle child of Loki and Angerbotha, his older brother being the wolf Fenrir and his younger sister being Hel. Othan was worried that they would cause great harm and placed them where he believed they would cause the least amount of harm. For Jormungandr, he threw the giant serpent into the ocean where it grew so large it could encircle the world. It is said that when he lets go of his tail, Ragnarok will begin. Hot damn. Good thing I drew him 
holding onto his tail. Yes, that's very important. Yeah. <laughs> so Jormungandr is Thor's particular enemy. He runs into Thor multiple times in the Eddas. In one, Thor doesn't realize it's Jormungandr at all. So Thor, Loki, and two of Thor's servants, Theolfi and Roskva, are traveling through Jotunheim. They come across a massive castle and get inside. Once there, they are met by Ukasaloki and told that they cannot stay the night unless they complete a feat. So Loki goes first and he says that he can win an eating contest. He goes against Logi and loses. Utgatha Loki asks Theolfi what feat he will do. Theolfi says he'll race anyone Utgatha Loki chooses. So Hugi races Theolfi three times, and Theolfi doesn't win any of the times. Hmm. Though Utgatha Loki says he's never seen someone run as fast as Theolfi. Oh, damn. Roskva does not have to complete a feat, and my research didn't say why, but my guess is because she's a little girl. Thor then agrees to a drinking contest, but fails after three gulps. He also agrees to a feat of strength, where he has to lift a cat off of the floor, and no matter how hard he tries, the cat only arches its back, so the most he's able to lift off the floor is a single paw. Thor demands to fight someone, and every person there declines, saying that it would be demeaning to fight someone so weak. So finally, Utgartha Loki calls his old nurse to fight Thor, and he's brought to his knees by the nurse. It becomes late, and they're taken to some room so they can stay the night. The next morning, they have breakfast and leave. And after the group leaves, Utgartha Loki says that if he had known what would transpire, he would have never allowed them to even enter the castle. Everything there had been an illusion. So Loki had competed against fire. Theolfi had raced against thought itself. Thor's drinking horns had been connected to the oceans. His great gulps lowered the water level, and that's why we have tides. That's pretty cool. The cat he attempted to lift was really Jormungandr in disguise. He was like illusion to look like a cat. Oh my god. And when he had just lifted the cat's paw, he had actually stretched Jormungandr so high that his head almost touched the sky. Oh my gosh. The old woman that he had wrestled was really old age. So Utgartha Loki tells Thor, it's better if they don't meet again. <laughs> and Thor takes Mjolnir and takes a swing at him. But Utgartha Loki and the castle have vanished. I feel like I've read about this Utgartha Loki mm -hmm. in some other texts. I had never heard of him prior to this research. Yes. Like, at all. He is a different Loki. Mm -hmm. So his name translated means Outyard Loki. And he's like the Loki that's found in Jotunheim, while the Loki everybody knows is basically the companion of Thor. Mm -hmm. Not the brother. No, no, not just the brother, the just the companion, because he did a blood pact with Othin. Mm -hmm. And that story is actually much longer, but I wanted to cut out most of it because it was already really long. Yeah. But still leave, like, the important parts of it for what we're researching this week. Right, right. So then... The second story is found in the Hemisvitha, and it tells of how Thor and Tyr go to the home of Hymir in search of a kettle large enough to make drinks for the Asir. When they arrive, they find an old woman with 900 heads. 
Ew. And a beautiful Jotun female. Oh, damn. Tyr recognizes in them his grandmother and his mother. Oh! So Tyr's mother tells them to hide because if Hamir spies them, they will die from his death glare. Oh! Hamir arrives home and his wife tells him that he has visitors. He glares and it breaks the rafters and the kettles that were hanging from it smash on the floor. That's not good. That, that's <laughs> just, I can't. She asks that he welcome them and he goes and kills three oxen for dinner. Thor then proceeds to eat two of them all by himself. Of course he does. Hamir's a little put off by that. And he says he'd go fishing early the next morning so that they would have breakfast. And Thor decides he's going to go with them. So Thor goes and kills a fourth ox, Hymir's largest, which I'm just like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> yep. let this man have some oxen. And he cuts off its head and uses it as bait. So they row out to Hamir's normal fishing area. And Hamir doesn't want to go any further because he said, if we go any further, we're going to run into your Mungonther. And Thor continues to row, and when he believes that they're directly above the serpent, he throws his line in. <laughs> so Hamir caught two whales for breakfast while Thor's angling for Jormungandr. And he says, okay, it's time to go back, because he doesn't want Poor any Hamir. of that to happen. He's just trying to have a good old fishing trip, and Thor's over there like, I'm gonna catch some bitch. Uh -huh. So before he could get Thor... To agree, Thor feels a pull on his line. <laughs> the fight of him pulling up the serpent causes the seas to become rough, and Thor's foot goes through the bottom of the boat. Of course it does. He raises his hammer to strike the serpent, and Hymir, fearing the beginning of Ragnarok, cuts the line. This poor guy. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Jormungandr sank back to the bottom of the sea, dripping blood and poison. Thor and Hamir return to the house. Hamir demands that Thor prove his strength by breaking a cup in order to get this kettle. Because he's just like, I want these people out of the house. Prove you're strong enough. Break this cup. just go take it. <laughs> no matter how Thor threw the cup, it didn't break. Until Tyr's mother whispers to Thor, throw it at his forehead because, like, nothing's harder than this guy's head. Oh my god. Thor does, and it shatters. So since he proved his strength, Hamir told him they could take the cauldron. It was so heavy that Tyr couldn't lift it at all, and Thor only could lift it with the help of his belt of strength. He apparently had to put it on the last notch in order to lift this cauldron. That's insane. Again, his feet broke through the floor. This poor woman's house, like, she's just minding her business, and it gets wrecked. <laughs> you gotta fix the boat, you gotta fix the house, you have all these broken kettles. kettles, the rafters jacked up, the floors jacked up. I am so sorry. Like, <laughs> So, Ymir's not very happy. No, of course not. Thor and Tyr leave. Thor's carrying the cauldron on his head, like a hat. Of course he is. And Ymir goes to his fellow Jotun and are like, you would not believe what just happened. <laughs> so they decide to go kill Thor and Tyr. Mm. And as they're like chasing them, Thor just takes Mjolnir and starts throwing it at them one at a time and kills everyone who's following him. God of War style. Each. Basically. <laughs> Boom. And then once they're not being pursued anymore, Thor and Tyr return home with the pot. And the whole purpose of getting this kettle was to brew ale for a festival. Of course. Yes. So that's the second story. 
The third story. I did not know there was a third story. Let's do it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm not trying to be mean at all. It's kind of, it's more of a prediction oh. than a history story. Oh, are we talking about Ragnarok? Cool. So, the prediction goes that a sign of Ragnarok coming is the restlessness of the sea as Jormungandr releases his tail and crawls onto the land. He spews poison into the air of half of the world. That sounds so pleasant. Fenrir sets fire to the other half. Mm. And they say Thor will battle Jormungandr and he will kill the serpent. But it takes so long in this battle that he's not able to help other people fight their adversaries. Right. And when he finally kills Jormungandr, he takes nine paces away and dies from the serpent's venom. That's pretty metal. And that is also a very compressed version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the stories of Jormungandr. And as we like to say, he can be found in present times in the video game God of War 4. There is an asteroid that was named after him. Oh, that's cool. Yep. He's also a monster in the video game Smite and the card game Magic the Gathering and also the tabletop game Dungeons and Dragons. I also want to say welcome, welcome to the new listeners hanging out with us. Hello to South Africa, Brazil, Australia, Croatia, Chile, Poland, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Argentina, and Bolivia. So thank you for checking out our podcast. We appreciate your listening. All right, guys, we will be back after this quick break. back. Now we get to talk about Fenrir, also known as Fenrisulvr, which means Fenrir's wolf or Fenris wolf. He has a few different names. I'm not going to go over all of them because it's just, there's quite a few. Essentially, he's a monstrous wolf in Norse mythology, child of Loki, and Angrobotha. Angrobotha was a Jotun, only mentioned in the Poetic Edda. Fenrir is in both the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda. So in both the Prose Edda and Poetic Edda, Fenrir is the father of the wolves Skol and Hati. Skol chases the sun, and Hati chases the moon until the time of Ragnarok, when they are to swallow the sun and moon. It's foretold that Fenrir will kill Othin during the events of Ragnarok, and in turn, Fenrir will be killed by Othin's son Bithar. Is it the weird D? Yeah. Yeah, be that. In the Prose Edda, due to prophecies, the gods bound Fenrir with his rapid growth, and as a result, Fenrir bit off Tyr's right hand. We're going to actually go more into that that story. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I read it once, and I remember most of the things that transpired. Yeah. This version of the story I found in Myths of Norsemen by Helene A. Gurber. I've actually heard different variations to it, so mm -hmm. if what you know of this story to be a little bit different, I understand, and I am not saying that you're wrong. This is just the version that I decided to put down for today. So Loki married secretly at Jotunheim, the giantess Angerbotha. She birthed three children considered monsters, Fenrir, Hel, and Jormungandr. The existence of the three children were kept secret as long as possible but they all grew too large for the cave they were birthed in. 
Othin learned of their existence and rapid growth and grew fearful of what havoc they would bring if they grew in strength, and came to Asgard fearing they would destroy the gods. In response, Othin had Hel flung into the depths of Nilfheim, telling her she could rule over the nine worlds of the dead. She definitely got, like, the better She of. got the best of the three deals, in my opinion. Still not cool to be, like, flinging people places. No, but, but like, at least he's like, you're now the goddess of this. Just roll over it. Cool, bro. Cool. Okay, Jormung Gunther was cast in the sea. Yep. Fenrir was led to Asgard in hopes to make Fenrir gentle and tractable with kind treatment. But all grew in dismay when they saw Fenrir. None dared to go near him or feed him except here instead of slaying fenrir and decimating any peasteads the gods decided they would bind fenrir they obtained a strong chain called lading and as a game they asked fenrir to be bound to show off his strength fenrir agreed and allowed them to do so confident he could set himself free as soon as they finished and stood aside fenrir outstretched and burst the chains <laughs> and the gods masked their emotions by giving Fenrir praise for this. They're like, oh my god, it's so great! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> then they produced a stronger chain called Droma, and yet again got Fenrir to play along with their game, and yet again Fenrir snapped the chain. This story was referenced by saying, to get loose out of Lathing and to dash out of Droma, they're actually sayings oh, okay. in the language. They're used whenever you have a great hardship and you must conquer it. So they're like hoping that you would go through those type of chains instead of the next one that occurs with Fenrir. After this, the god Frey, which is the the brother of Freya, mm -hmm. sent his servant. Vows, right? Yes, yes, yes. Don't don't go that later. Um, <laughs> Frey sent his servant Skirnir to Svartalfheim. I said that slowly because I have a hard time saying words, but I put it into phonetics so I could say Spartalfheim. it. Yes, that word. To have the dwarves fashion a bond that no one could sever with dark arts. The elves fashioned a silken rope. The more one strained, the stronger the rope was to become. Do you want to name out what the rope was named out of? No, you can do it. I'm just so excited because it's so neat. I did not write it down because I was like, this is some crazy shit. Do you remember any of them? Essentially, this, this rope was made out of materials that were kind of, like, impossible to fucking find. Mm -hmm. So, one was the roots of the mountain. Mm -hmm. One was lady's beard. Mm -hmm. Which actually is not impossible to find, because there are women with beards. The sound of a cat's footfall. The breath of a fish. The sinews of a bear. And the spittle of a bird. Yeah. And like, I'm just like... That's crazy. Yeah. So that's what the rope was made of, and it was called Glipnir. And the gods went to the island Lingui in the middle of a lake called Amsvartnir with Fenrir to once more test Fenrir's strength. Fenrir saw this bond and was skeptical of how flimsy the bond looked and refused to be bound unless one of the Aesir consented to put their hand in his mouth and leave the hand there as a pledge of good faith and no magic arts were being used against him. Tyr stepped forward and thrust his hand in Fenrir's jaws. Then the gods bound Fenrir with Glipnir. And when they saw Fenrir unable to break the bonds, they celebrated, except for Tyr, as Fenrir bit off Tyr's hand for the trickery at the wrist, thus what is now called the wolf's joint. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I had no idea that that's what that was called, but I like it. It sounds really cool. Anyways, despite Fenrir's struggles, the gods fasten Fenrir to a deep sunken boulder, and to silence Fenrir's howling, they thrust a sword in his mouth. Fenrir's blood created a great river from this, and it is here that the wolf Fenrir would remain until he could be freed to take vengeance. So there's like this whole thing about with Ragnarok, there's like, I mentioned this one god that was going to be able to actually kill Fenrir. Yeah. He actually has a shoe made to defend against Fenrir's jaw and teeth. So after Othin is consumed by Fenrir, his attempt to consume Vithar will be in vain. And Vithar will essentially rip Fenrir's jaws open. Ugh. Yeah. Is that the one where the leather yes. comes from the shoes of people? Yes. Okay, so we were listening to a gentleman named... Dr. Dr. Jackson Crawford, yeah. who is a teacher out in Colorado. Yes, I think he's still currently in Colorado, but he also used to teach in California. And he's a Norse specialist in both the language and the history, mythology, everything like that. And he was explaining how the ship that brings the Aesir's enemies during Ragnarok is made from the long nails, like finger and toenails of the dead. So you're supposed to clip your nails, clip your nails so that the enemy doesn't have a very good ship to get to Ragnarok. And then this gentleman's shoes are made from the leather that comes off of your shoes and it goes to aid him in Ragnarok. Yes. It's kind of an interesting way to get people to groom themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so Fender's children, Hati, Skol, and Manigram, I could be saying that wrong, are fed by... Angerbotha, or Inarsaxa, the giantess regardless, marrow of murderers and adulterers' bones to make them strong enough to swallow the sun and moon, which would cause the earth to shake, stars to fall, and allow Loki, Fenrir, and Garm to relinquish their bounds and go take vengeance. Fenrir gulps Othin like a snack, is how I put it. (laughs) And when I was listening... It's not funny, but it's hilarious. My brain was <laughs> translated to snack as, like, not food, but, like, when someone's like, ooh, that person's a snack. Yeah. <laughs> but really, he's swallowed, like, Othin is completely swallowed, yeah. according to many versions. Except, for example, the Poetic Edda by um, Snorri. So, I actually was intrigued. I was listening to some stuff by Dr. Crawford, and he was saying that Garmer, in the Prose Edda, he's different from Fenrir at Ragnarok. But in the Poetic Edda, he may be the same as Fenrir and fights Tyr at Ragnarok. Right. So, like, depending on which one you're reading, it's right. it's either different or the same. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was intriguing. But Fenrir's in so many fucking things. Like, definitely in Smite. I know yep. he's a playable character. Definitely featured now in the brand new Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I was like, oh my god, I gotta watch the clip about it. Because it was specifically dealing with this story with Fenrir. And they did take some, like... I thought they did a really good job at explaining the story in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, they do actually show everything that goes down with Tyr's hand. Yeah, I thought it was a really really cool thing to watch but anyway so there's that there's Fenrir's in a lot like he's definitely featured in quite a few things in modern day stuff but like the two that definitely like stick out in my head are Smite and Assassin's Creed because I'm thinking video games (laughs) right so oh my goodness 
so that's Fenrir. For the depiction I did for drawing him, I used, I did like a giant boulder behind him. Yes. And I had him not in chains, because here's the thing. In the version I was reading, it was, the first two were like chains, and then this one, it looked like... Silken rope. Silken rope. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, okay, I'm not going to make him look like chains. Although most artistic renditions I've seen of Fenrir, he's wearing chains and shackles. Right. But in this case, I did not depict him like that because I, that's what I was reading was that he was actually in a silken rope made of all these impossible things. Right. And then I had a sword going through his mouth with blood coming out. Mm Mm-hmm. Because to keep him from howling, when they put him against the boulder, they put the sword in his mouth. And it caused the blood, and that caused the river. Okay. Oh, and also, the um, Skull and Hati are in God of War. Like, they they reference God of War with them frequently in a few of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. But we have not seen Fenrir in God of War yet. So that's Fenrir. That is Fenrir. Reminders, everybody. Make sure to check out our art for this week's creatures on our Instagram at Coffee Table Mythos. If you want to share any art of your own of these creatures, make sure to use our hashtag Coffee Table Mythos so that we and our followers can check them out. As always, if you have any stories or requests, please email us at coffeetablemythos at gmail.com. And remember to mention if you want a shout out of either a name or handle and where to find you, or if you would like to remain anonymous. You can also find us at our Facebook page, Coffee Table Mythos. You can message us on here as well. Check out our merch on Teespring at teespring.com slash store slash coffee dash table dash mythos. We are adding more listings as we research more creatures and make more art. If you would like to donate to us, you can on our anchor.fm slash coffee table mythos, or you can become a patron through patreon.com slash coffee table mythos. For right now, all donations will go to making this podcast better. Thank you so much for listening. Please give us a like, follow, subscribe, share, and review our podcast if you have the time. We are interested in what you have to say. This is Coffee Table Mythos. We'll We'll catch catch you next time. time.